Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Today, we're sitting down for round two with Ilya Rector. Ilya was first on the podcast back in November of 2018, and his company is DoubleMap. Since Ilya was on the podcast, DoubleMap merged with another competitor in their space, and they created a new company called Journey. And then they were recently, that company was acquired by Ford and are now working under the codename Atlas. So I chat with Ilya about what that acquisition looked like uh, and what he's doing next. And so please enjoy this episode. Super thankful for Ilya for taking the time to come in. And I think you'll really like it. After the episode, if you haven't already subscribed, do that and leave us a review. Would love your feedback. Thanks so much. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. All right, welcome to the show. Today we have Ilya Rector. Ilya, welcome. Thanks for having me again. And I should say with the Ford Motor Company? Uh, Ford Smart Mobility, part of Ford Motor Company. It's like a nesting doll of companies. Okay, a nesting yeah. doll of companies. Eventually, and Ford Motor Company owns us. Eventually, Ford Motor <laughs> Company owns you. And if you have been listening to a long time, you'll recognize Ilya from Double Map interview, which was in November of 2018, I think, is uh, last time you were on the podcast. And since then, you have sold the company. In startup years, it's been like 20 years. That's like 20 years. Yeah. That's right. So uh, I asked Ilya if you'd be willing to come on the show and talk a little bit about uh, what that process was like. Uh, so maybe for a quick recap, why don't you do like the 60 second pitch for uh, Double Map? Sure. So we started it at IU Bloomington and the idea was to make an app for tracking buses. We realized that what agencies and universities were actually going to buy was that, but they weren't going to pay just for that. So they really wanted technology on the bus. So you could actually uh, know when the bus was coming. You could hear buses talk. So almost like a Siri voice, if you're a visually impaired rider, help them count passengers, help them optimize routes, all these things that help them get funding and operational efficiency. And we do it now for now that we're part of Ford. We merged with a couple other companies under them, about 1,200 customers across really the world, but primarily in North America ranging from universities, cities, corporate fleets, airports, hospitals. I, it's hard to keep track of all of them, but it's it's awesome that it's gotten this big. Wow. That, it's awesome. Congratulations. You were acquired when? Uh, officially in August of last year. August of last year. And then you said, and I already forgot, you said the acquiring company's name, the... the Ford, Ford Smart Mobility. Ford Smart Mobility. Okay. Uh, and then they did they roll up a number of companies at the same time? Yeah. So the, the backstory, because it kind of came about in a strange way. We were never really up for sale as Double Map, but we always kind of listened to offers when they come about. And we got once so we kind of went through this process going back now two years. And we had two term sheets from two awesome companies considering seriously to sign one of them. 
And there was this other company, a competitor of ours out of Utah called Ride Systems. And what we decided to do actually was do a merger with them. So between the last time we did this podcast, we merged companies and then that merged company got acquired. (laughs) So it's been crazy. Uh, So we merged with Ride Systems under this holding company that we created just for that called Journey. And I remember talking to you about that after, not on the podcast, but after that happened. And really the plan was to just go forward as that merged company. It was a stock for stock uh, deal. So it's not like, you know, somebody bought the company or anything like that. But then when we kind of started going forward at CES two years ago now, we called or I called one of um, our competitors, CEOs, who had just gotten acquired by Ford just to do a check-in, see how things are going. His name is Doug. Um, and he said, you know, things are going well, but, you know, X, Y, and Z, Ford is also looking to kind of grow in the space. So if you're interested, I'd be happy to make an introduction. And again, I'll always listen. So we started the process with Ford, who then also owned our third competitor, that led to a sale. So right now, <laughs> uh, I mean, I would say that we're almost done with the first merger and now doing the second merger. All three companies doing virtually the same thing with some tweaks here and there to create this monster company that's really in a really positive way going to bring the best of all three products. So instead of you know building the same feature or widget across three platforms, we can now actually innovate as opposed to just replicate what our competitors are doing. And I'm just going to start asking questions. You speak up if you're not allowed to. Okay. So so. yeah, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but I'll answer as truthfully as I can. (laughs) So I'm assuming part of that underlying strategy for Ford is they're rolling up the market. They just want the the, the business that each of you have, right? So you might have some cities that one of the other competitor doesn't and vice versa, right? So yeah, it's interesting. They really believe in this play to win strategy. And what is a big number to me and maybe to you isn't really that big of a number to them where I think they acquired us for a lot of money and it's a big space, but they probably make more money off of F-150 sales every single day. So individually, I don't think these companies were as attractive to them, but together we are now big enough to where it's going to make enough of a dent and help their strategy with scooters and with autonomous vehicles and all this other stuff. Right on. And then uh, do you know which of the technology platforms is the go forward technology platform or? or... That's happening right now. So okay. we're definitely going to get a new name. So I don't think it'll be called Double Map or Ride Systems or third company is Transloc. So I'm sure it'll be called Ford something. It's still up to be determined. Yep. But I, I think at least in the internal discussions, there's aspects of each one because each one did really have their strength. So now it's hey, who was the best on the hardware side? Who was the best on nice. the administrative side to help with routing optimization reports? Who was the best consumer-based? And let's see how we can kind of bring these together. Because you know with software, the administrative platform and the app, they're really tied together through an API. Right. So you can actually stitch them together pretty seamlessly. Okay. Nice. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So total time from that first conversation where you reached out to your the competitor who was at Ford to, to when the deal was closed, how long was that? So I'm doing the math on the fly. So CS is in January, deal closed in August. So that's quick. Fast. Yeah. All right. Can you can you talk through it? Like what what did that how did that process go? So one thing that we've learned because we've been unintentionally kind of in deal mode for the better part of two years, we wanted to make everything competitive because frankly, Ford was our favorite from the get-go. They were the ones who kicked off the process. But through various pieces of advice that I've gotten, we don't want to just kind of go to the dance and you know be married to one right off the bat. So we made it a more formal process. So I was really running the day-to-day. My business partner, Peter, he was really running the process. He's a former investment banker. So we talked to some growth equity funds. Peter was a former investment banker? 
Yeah. So Peter, Eric, and I, the three founders. So I was a consultant for a year working in Africa, actually. So I was in Ethiopia, Nigeria, and Ghana. <laughs> Eric is really the brains of the operation. He was in, he's younger. He was an intern at Google. And Peter was a banker in Minneapolis I for one know. year before okay. all of us quit our no jobs idea. to do Dome right. Lab full time. Yeah. It was a, I mean, with founders, to not to kind of get too off base, but find people who can kind of complement things that you know less, less about and hopefully you bring something to the table too. Yeah. So awesome. All right. Um, keep so going. yeah, he ran uh, the, the kind of initial part of the process to where we then got a growth, growth uh, capital fund, some private equity funds that were interested in us, some other companies that uh, not necessarily exactly like Ford, but imagine a company the size of Ford. And they were probably, if I remember correctly now, weirdly, I've kind of moved on and blocked parts of it out because it was a pretty stressful time. I got married in the midst of all of this. <laughs> we had five offers at the end of it. Ford actually wasn't the most lucrative, but it was the one that we were most excited about that we went with. Why is that? Um, it's part of the, the strategy, right? So one of them, and again, I won't name names, they came to Indianapolis. We went out to dinner and they came like seven people deep. And they said, you know, our product, who, which does something somewhat similar to yours, we think it sucks. We think yours is better. If we go through this deal, we're going to shut it down and we're going to shut down the office of our company that does that. And I'm sitting across the table from this guy who works at that office and he's getting the news in real time. So Dude, that's, that's not awkward. fun, right? It's awkward. And you want to go into kind of with a warm feeling that this is going to help the company and help the people right. of the company, not like kill somebody's job and well, I know that office. two years from now, you're going to be that guy at right, the table. Right. But, yeah. Whereas with Ford, uh, nobody knows what the future holds, right? All of these car companies are trying different things, but Ford, to their credit, invested and bought a scooter company called Spin. They're on the forefront of autonomous vehicles and time will tell if these things play out the way that Ford intends them to or GM or Tesla, but to actually be part of a company that is genuinely trying, that's what excited us. If we can play a role in that. That's awesome. Okay. So you ended up choosing that offer. And then what is it? what did it look like day one on the other side of a deal? It's been interesting because they want us to, con they bought us for a reason and we were growing, we were profitable, right? So they don't want to all of a sudden shut that off. Right. So to some degree it was business as usual, but then in other aspects, this happened last week, actually, it's, we're part of a big company now. And what we do as a much smaller part of that big company reflects on them. So Ford sent down a corporate lawyer and then we have an in-house general counsel now, which I think I used to be ours unintentionally. <laughs> and they held, we now have three offices, one in Utah, one in Indiana, one in North Carolina. And in all three offices, they held this compliance training. And the title was how not to go to jail. And they meant it the right way. There were no personal attacks, but I'm sitting there and realistically, my approach for the better part of 10 years was, you know, ask for forgiveness, not ask for permission. So it's a whole new, whole new world now where I'm listening to how we're going to operate now. Well, it's lovely you've gone through that compliance training right before you come on the podcast. Yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> of course, you can, of you can, course, can. exactly. It's good. Where I'm learning. Can you talk at all? I I know you're not going to be able to get into numbers. Can you talk at all about how the deal was structured? Like uh, I'm assuming cash, some stock. Like what did that look like? So it was actually all cash, but without getting into the individual dollars about, and I'll, I'll, these are rough numbers. Um, about two thirds was um, up front. And then the remainder was spread out over uh, two years. And part of it is butts and seats. Part of it is performance-based. The performance base is split up. 
you know, revenue incentives, customer retention incentives, employee retention incentives. So all of the things that really incentivize us to do the right thing. Yeah, right on. And then how many people at Double Map had equity? So what we did um, initially, so we were bootstrapped for those who might not know. Um, I know you know. Uh, so we were bootstrapped. So it was me, Eric, and Peter for forever. Um, nobody else had equity. But when we got into this deal flow, one, there were some people that we just wanted to really reward because whether or not they had equity from the get-go or negotiated it, we wouldn't have been there without them. But two, there's a lot of things going on when you're going through a deal process. And the last thing you want to have happen is key employees you know, to have a life event happen, take another job somewhere else. Um, so we did some phantom stock towards the end. Um, we would have considered Very to nice. do common stock, but we wanted to do phantom, not to get into all the boring tax stuff, but we knew the deal was happening in under a year. Um, so I believe there were 10 that we gave that to. And then every single employee at the company got some Ford was nice. They, they on, we, we as double map slash journey did phantom stock for 10 employees. Then Ford actually to retain the rest of the team, every single person in the company got some sort of retention bonus. Oh, that's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Super cool. And that was important to us that everybody, th- there were no firings that happened. Everybody got retained. And how many people did you have at the time? About 80. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And that's across two offices yeah. then, right? Utah and Indy? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then, so I, I guess I didn't even think of this. So before the merger, which is really how I think of Double Map, I just think of, sure, sure. Mo- you know, mostly the original founders. <laughs> but, but then you did a merger. And so now you're going through this Ford acquisition with partners who yeah. you barely know. So yes and no. I mean, we we were competitors. Our space isn't that big. So these partners out of Utah, I had met them at our first conference that we went to nine going on 10 years ago. We were stuck at the airport together. Okay. So we we knew them and we tried to do a deal with them a few years ago that uh, fell apart. So it was it was new because you don't really know somebody until you work with them. But also these aren't people that you know we met last week. Okay. All right. But still Good. challenging. So as you guys were talking through the decision to take the exit with Ford versus continuing to go it alone. Uh, walk me through those conversations as a partnership team, because I'm assuming that's one of the big, yeah. like that is the big question, right? If Ford's willing to pay this now, what would they be willing to pay five years from now? So there's, I've learned there's no right time to do it because we had gotten offers, like I mentioned, two years ago. And at the time, those offers, offers seemed fair. But you know, let's just put it this way. The dollars were much greater from Ford this time around. And I'm sure had we continued to do it, now knowing where the business is today, we probably should have waited, right? We'd be worth more today. We'd be worth more a year and two years from now. So it, it ultimately comes down to what you want to do as individuals. Something I've learned, and I'll speak for myself. I don't know if this is reflective of Peter or Justin or Keller or Eric, some of the other partners. I really do think that it's somewhat equal in terms of difficulty to come up with an idea and start a company as it is to take that company and make money, as it is to then make money and turn that into millions of dollars, as it is to take millions of dollars and turn it into much more. But those are all different phases and they take different skill sets. And it really depends on what you are best at and what you enjoy. I learned throughout this whole process doing it for 10 plus years. I love that pirate ship. I love coming up with the idea. I love when it's this team, this ragtag bunch of people where you're doing jobs that you have no qualifications to do as a mine. We're relying on each other and we're learning and we're doing the best we can all those sleepless nights, right? And that's hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. But for me, that's what I enjoy. And it's not as hard for me. 
The flip side is we're bigger now and merging with this other company in North Carolina. We're well over 200 employees. There's a lot more structure, a lot more rigor. And one of the appeals is we really want to make it big. At the same time, I probably enjoy the other parts of it where it's the pirate ship where we don't have enough resources than it is now. And there's people that are just better at the stage that we're at now to really look at all these pieces. We have PhDs on our team now, uh, can't count the number of MBAs we have, all of that stuff to actually put those pieces in the right direction. And I'll raise my hand and say that they're better at it than me. They enjoy it more than I do. And once I realized that, that was probably the telltale sign for me that I wanted to sell, hmm. um, was we had gotten too big. There were some politics involved and things like that, whereas I'm used to just kind of settling it over beers and pulling an all-nighter. That's a great answer. But I think you have to, it's not that every, anybody is meant to do one thing. It's you want to figure out as quickly as possible what you're bad at and avoid that and figure out the things that you enjoy more and you're better at and try to lean more towards those. Was uh, was it a unanimous, how many, so uh, when you sold, how many partners were there then, or uh, I guess the core leadership team? So when we, yeah, when we merged, it was three people on the double map side. We negotiated to where uh, Eric, our technical co-founder was still involved when we did the Ford deal, but was taking steps back to where we really had him as part of the decision. He was supportive of the Ford deal. So it was him, two partners out of Utah, me and Peter. So five. Five. Okay. And then uh, obviously everybody was okay with it, or I'm guessing you wouldn't have gone through with it. Was there a vote? Was there just a discussion? Yeah. How did that go? So the Ford part was the easiest out of all of them. That's what all of us wanted. Um, So that part was unanimous. Now, there were definitely contentious uh, discussions about other opportunities we had before, where some partners wanted the deal, some partners didn't, some partners wanted to raise growth capital, some wanted to sell, some wanted to merge, others didn't. Did you ever raise capital at a point along the way? Never. Never did. That was a mistake. I'll, I'll raise my hand and admit that now where we got lucky in the sense that we realized early on that our space didn't require it. We, we raised capital. We did a Series A round, got a million-dollar term sheet. As part of that kind of same timeline, we had started at IU. That was our first customer. Then we started trying to sell Purdue and all these other universities. Realized that their model is totally different. IU is very unique in how they own their own buses. Whereas using Purdue as an example, Purdue doesn't own a single bus. They really run it through the city of Lafayette, which is uh, grant-based. And for better or for worse, um, in America, there's not that incentive to be super capital efficient. If you're a public entity, a city, or transportation fleet, you want to apply for, say, a $500,000 grant. You want to allocate all $500,000 of that as quickly as possible so you can apply for the next one. So for us, you know, if we win that grant and that RFP, we have to recognize it over, say, 60 months if it's a five-year contract, but we get paid at least the majority of it up front. So we could avoid venture capital and kind of bootstrap it that way. But that was probably the smartest thing we did for the first you know, four or five years of the business. But once we had millions of dollars of ARR, I still looked at it when we made a hire. I looked at our books and made sure that we could actually pay that person's salary for a few years and every hire we needed them to work out. And that's a, that's a good approach, but it's also really conservative to where there was features that we probably built six months later, or a year later than we could have. Had we had, you know, a million dollar, two million dollar, three million dollar cash infusion, just as growth equity, and we would have gotten yeah. a better valuation. Interesting. So wait, so now the company is Journey, is that right? <laughs> We're not sure what the company won't be named yet. Journey owns ride systems and double map for smart mobility bot journey. Code, All right. code name Atlas. So at Atlas journey double map i'm assuming you guys have had swag over the years we have yeah 
All right. What what is your preferred uh, version of swag for employees, and what's your preferred version of swag for clients and prospects? So t-shirts are great uh, for employees and and customers. The hack that I use for conferences. Keep in mind we were bootstrapped, so yeah, we're yeah. not giving away like super expensive stuff, and we wanted to make it to where it's super easy to ship. Um, and it, so th- these were the constraints. I spent an embarrassing amount of time thinking about this. So it's, I don't know if you knew that, but it's a good question. <laughs> so something that we'd give away at conferences that were, was not expensive, super portable, and people wouldn't throw away. Okay. So those were the three kind of criteria. Like pens fits two of those, but people kind of lose them, throw them yeah, away, yeah. all that stuff. Chapstick. 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 Super inexpensive to make and get branded with your logo and contact info. People go nuts for them over conferences. I could see it. And they kind of take up the surface of a table. You can arrange them in shapes, whatever. And I'll see people at conferences months later with our chapstick. Oh, that's awesome. Because it lasts a long time. All right. Well, if you are in need of branded chapstick or any other swag, you can go to fuelmerchandise.com. Give them the name Startup Competitors and get 10% off your next order. Fuel is uh, one of the best places you can go to get all of your startup swag. Do you plan on doing it again? Startups? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you have any ideas what it'll be yet? Are you still on the hunt? So I'm in a really unique, cool, and bad situation in the sense that I'm working and I've not made a decision. So I might stay at Ford longer than my current employment agreement dictates. But I've got a year and a half of the two years left. So even if I wanted to start something, I can't right now. Which is a blessing in disguise because I, I have started other companies outside of Double Map. Most people haven't heard of those because they haven't been that successful. I'm sure you've started, you know, oh, your I fair share. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have probably a dozen ideas, you know, r- rattling around in the back of my head. And if tomorrow I was fun employed, I'd start one of those. Fun employed. Yeah. But, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize who haven't started companies is that that's a commitment, right? You know, I did this for 10 plus years. So you almost kind of unintentionally stumble in what could be the next 10 years of your life. So this is forcing me to be really deliberate about, you know, saying no to a lot of things and the things that I am passionate about, which I've kind of narrowed it down to two or three. A lot of it in like the payment space is what I'm passionate about. Really what? vetting those out. Nobody is passionate about the payment well, space. it sucks. It sucks. That's why I'm passionate about it sucking and making it better. Okay. All right. I can get behind that. Yeah. But in the meantime, and you've been great in helping out, um, I've started investing which I feel kind of like a hypocrite doing because I never took money. But <laughs> it's nice now being on the other side of it and kind of surfacing up for air because I've been doing double map and only double map living under a rock. I get to see all these other cool ideas and help indie startups. So if yeah. anybody's listening and is looking for capital, Oh, me up. that's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love to, you know me, I've taken all yeah, the meetings yeah. so you, far. I you have, yeah. that's true. But do you have a thesis yet for what you're looking to do from an investment perspective? So what's a good, what's a good fit? It's a good question. Um, so I've learned it can't be in transportation, even though that's my background, because as I've learned in compliance training, yes, there's a conflict. So as much as I'd like to do that, I can't, at least not for a year and a half plus two years after I've read my employment agreement closely. Okay. So what I've tried to kind of hone in on, this is super broad, is somewhere where I have some level, what I consider to be a competitive advantage. So I've done a few investments. So some I know nothing about, but my dad works in pharmaceuticals. So I've invested in a couple of pharmaceutical companies because he is my- You my have proxied your trust to him. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's one company in town where I've known the founders for 
you know, eight, nine years. I consider them friends, but also I've seen them in a working environment. I don't pretend to know much about their actual industry, but I believe in them. So that's my competitive advantage. There's another one that you introduced me to that I'm about to do an investment in. And there, the problem statement that they have without getting into all the details makes a whole lot of sense to me. And I feel like if you look at it from an outside perspective, it's it's a problem that some people would be afraid of. They're in a cash crunch. In my case, I actually see it as a huge opportunity to help them. And it makes sense to me to where my competitive advantage, I think I understand it better than most because I've been there. Yeah. So it's not any one particular industry. If oh, anything, yeah. I guess you would have also had a lot of those funding. Exactly. Very similar funding issues, wouldn't you? Misery loves company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never put that. I didn't even put yeah. that together. So it's not necessarily one industry or another. If anything, when it, during my meetings, I've been telling the companies to really be critical of me with that. Because having been on the other side as a founder, there's money, there's dumb money, and there's smart money. If they don't think that I can help their business as an investor, and they should be asking this of all investors, they should be critical. I think they should be using yeah. all of the connections they have of their investors, not just well, a check. I would totally... So I agree with that 100%, but I think it's really hard when you're in the hunt for capital and you're wondering how you're going to make play payroll to have the discipline to ask, okay, as an investor, what else can you do for me, right? I, I think that's... It is a great idea mm -hmm. and certainly something like, you know, we have uh, we have investors in a couple of our companies and for all of those, we, you know, we, we've tried to have the discipline to, to make sure that they could bring something else to the table. But man, when you're just looking to get the round closed, it is hard. And I don't envy that because that's one situation I really haven't been in is trying to get the round closed. I've been in cash crunches for a decade. <laughs> right. We just haven't been raising money. It's more about hunting down people who owe us money from an accounts receivable standpoint. It turns out it's very similar yeah. in process. So I get it. But at the same time, while I understand that challenge and that mindset, if you're going to pour your heart and soul into a business, you you as an, a founder have to be disciplined to where you're not just taking checks. Like You should hold your investors accountable. And I'm I'm a novice at it, but... I'm speaking not as an investor, as a founder. Okay. So as an investor, if I can convince you to invest in one of my companies, what is the way that you would expect me to hold you accountable? So I've been talking to people about this where early on, I try to, I've only done four so far investments and I want to establish really early on what they're expecting, what I'm expecting. There's some, I mentioned the pharmaceutical ones. Yep. I don't add anything. So I'm going to be silent. They know I'm going to be silent. I know I'm going to be silent. The other ones that you know I'm going to be more active in, it's really understanding what I do bring to the table. One of the companies I mentioned, again, without going into names because the ink isn't dry yet, but we've come to terms in principle. While they've been around the block as entrepreneurs, this isn't their first time, they still haven't built the business to the scale that, say, DoubleMap was. And DoubleMap wasn't the biggest thing ever, but... Little things I can kind of tell them about early on, evergreen clauses, price escalators, some of these contract things, or if they get a threatening letter, what to do, right? So I can help in that respect. Other ones, if you're selling into one of the industries that I've sold into in the past, be it uh, corporate, we do corporate fleets at Double Maps, so I've sold to large corporations, some that you know do social media and phones, and you can use your imagination there without me breaking any NDAs. Right. Um, or higher ed, right? We started at IU. So if you're selling into higher ed, I can kind of give some tips and tricks where it might not translate one-to-one, -one, but it's at least a similar industry to where 
you know, this department is under that department. You should really try to talk to this level of director and not, you know, the traditional procurement person that somebody would go to. Have you looked at joining an uh, investor community like Vision Tech or anything like that? So I've talked to one. This is where I'm struggling with it because that's probably the most logical thing to do. At the same Maybe. time... depends on what you want. Well, what I've been surprised with through the help of you and several other people that have been awesome, I'm seeing a ton of deal flow without joining one. So if and when that becomes kind of a bottleneck, that's the first thing I'll do. But until then... I'll, I'll be selfish and I'll meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. I love founders. Yeah. A big part of it is how active you want to be, right? One of the nice things about, and if you're in vision tech, one of the nice things about it is you can make your investment and the, the person may not even know that you're an investor, right? It, it can be as obfuscated or transparent as you want. I know that uh, in one of our companies, we have vision tech uh, as an investor. And so we know a couple of the people who invested in us and I'm, I'm positive we don't know everybody. Sure. The, the ones that we know have raised their hand and said they would like to be more involved and would like to help. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's that's been kind of nice. Yeah, the plan now is until I hit that threshold, I'll yeah. keep doing it on my own. But I have a feeling that I will hit that threshold and I'll yeah. probably be well, the other circling thing back. I would tell you is if you haven't, this is a thing that I've figured out, which is kind of interesting. If, if, if you haven't figured out what you're doing next or what your exact timeline is for that, it's also an amazing way to find talent. Like, you know, for a lot of these companies, it, same thing. This isn't going to be their only time mm -hmm. doing a company and a, a large number of them won't make it, right? So you can be super critical in somebody's career. It's really good advice. Early really on. Really good advice. And, it, and find this amazing talent that like later is going to be, you know, helping you launch your next thing. I, I obviously am supportive of all these companies and I hope all of them succeed, but I've been blown away by kind of the sheer level of talent that I've met. And again, I hope they all succeed, but at the same time, if you know, some yeah. don't. I have at least a year and a half. I'll definitely be going back to that well. What are the odds you drink the Kool-Aid at one of these companies and want to join up and become part of the team? So I've had those talks with a couple really of Really already? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, uh, this well, is lucky where, for you, you've got the lockdown year and a half that you have to wait. That's what I've been telling them. So it, yeah. it's not that I don't want to. If anything, I would have probably jumped at a few of these opportunities already. Oh, that's it's super that, interesting. Right now, I've been telling them, hey, take my very free advice because you know i'm happily employed right now at double map slash codename atlas is what they've called this kind of merged company we'll see what the new name becomes slash ford take my free advice while i have some you know time on the side and then we'll circle back in a year and a half but i would say if i was a betting man i'm going to start my own company i i don't think i'll be joining okay. any of them and All i've right. been honest with them okay it's interesting mm-hmm I made that mistake uh, once, actually. So I don't know if it's the right move. Have I ever told you about my story with uh, the biggest mistake I've ever made? No, you're telling it now. So, uh, you know, the Ford sale sounds like it's a success and by all accounts it is. But when I was in college, I the way I got into DoubleMap was I was part of student government. And I was the student transportation chief. So my job was to improve transportation at IU. One of the ideas I came up with ended up becoming... Double map later on. But initially, the first project we did was Zipcar. We brought Zipcar to IU. Okay. And government as well, student government is always seen as not doing anything. So I just wanted to accomplish something, right? So we brought Zipcar. We had this press release. It was a win. And then some months passed. And I get this email from a guy named John Zimmer from Zimride, who's partnered with Zipcar. And all I heard was just a lot of Zs. 
Right. I didn't really know who John was and what Zimride was, but I took the meeting and he comes in. He had uh, probably was like in his mid to late 20s at the time, had just been, I think, laid off from Lehman Brothers. This was 2009, something like that. Okay. Um, and he's pitching this idea for Zimride, ironically, not named after him being John Zimmer. It was from this like ride share, I think, somewhere in Zimbabwe is what it was named after. Oh, this after. is Lyft. So. He pitches this idea for kind of a digital ride board. So yes. if I'm going to the Indy airport and you want to ride, historically, you'd find my name on this ride board at the union. But then they went through some Facebook Connect program and you can kind of see who I am. I can see who you are. Yep. And I think for eight or $10,000 a year for university, we have this license. And the university has all this bureaucracy to where they basically say, hey, we're not paying for this. Cool idea, but we're not there. It's this big room with all these administrators and me. And I look at it as, hey, this is another opportunity to kind of say that we did something as student government and not a, a win. So I said, hey, let me see what I can do. Eight to 10,000. I think I can make that happen. So I go to who later became my business partner, Peter, who was student body president. And we presented to student Congress or Senate. And like a week or two later, I showed up with a contract for, I think it was $8,000. And now knowing how long deals like that take, it's usually six months, a sales cycle. So this guy was just blown away that I did it in like a week or two. He said, hey, you know, why don't you come work for me after college? And I'd already had a consulting job lined up and I was working on, again, what later became Double Maps. So I said, no, like, I'm good, but let's stay in touch. I think what you're working on is cool. So a few months go by and now it's almost the end of the, the year. And he comes to me and he says, hey, we're pivoting the company. And we just raised $400,000 for this idea where it's not a digital ride board. Somebody's going to be driving their car, kind of like a taxi. Somebody else is going to get in. It's going to be this peer-to-peer rideshare thing. We got this $400,000 check. We're going to open up an office in San Francisco. Come be employed. I think it was like number seven. And I remember saying this. I said, hey, $400,000 in San Francisco is going to last you like a week and a half. And this sounds like the sketchiest idea ever. <laughs> um, this kind of peer-to-peer <laughs> oh, rideshare thing. Fantastic. So I appreciate it, but I'm going to you know, take this consulting job and start Double Map. And he said, hey, yeah, no problem. Stay in touch if anything ever changes. And I remember it became Lyft, but I, Lyft was very small early on. Right. So when I started, then I quit my consulting job and I started traveling around the country and I would always kind of message friends of where I can stay. So whether it was in Colorado or DC, I would sleep on people's couches, you know, the whole nine yards of startups. Yep. So I ended up flying out to San Francisco to pitch, I think it was Stanford. And this guy, Curtis, who was one of the earlier employees at Lyft, I was actually staying at his place. Um, he was out of town and I needed to meet up with him to get the keys to this place. We met up at Lyft's headquarters and I saw John and I looked around and it it was massive then. And obviously later became Lyft and I would have been employee number like seven, eight, right. something like that. So everybody makes mistakes. Mine's probably a little dumber in hindsight. But uh, what are you going to do? It, it turns out it worked out okay. Do you still have his email address somewhere? Like, yeah. Did you re- yeah, did yeah. You get- oh, I, I have all the old email threads where he's like offering me, offering to continue to talk, offering a position. You should things. drop him a note and say, hey, man, I got I got a year and a half to go, but I'm interested in that conversation. <laughs> well, I've got a year and a half plus two years after two, that I can't oh, that's work. that's right, because it's in transportation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but the funny thing is it, you never know what's going to happen. Dude, I'm probably awesome. actually more like no, not knowing how many millions of dollars I messed up there. Yeah, going don't, back, do that, yeah. don't do that math. Well, no, but going back to your initial question, how I thought of this was, will I join one of these companies? And I think for better or for worse, I'm I'm a stubborn founder, right? So I enjoy kind of forging my own path and making well some of my own mistakes. So as much as this was probably not the right decision in terms of money, the path of getting to the sale to Ford 
I'm really proud of and I really enjoyed it to where had I been an early stage employee at Lyft, maybe it would have been amazing and I'm sure it would have been, but I enjoy this path. Or maybe you would have gotten fired in six months because turns out you'd rather lead than follow. Yeah, I'm not bitter. I'm not sad. It's just a funny story. So, you know, everybody makes a bunch of dumb mistakes. That's a good one. I like it. All right. Looking at startups, figuring out what's next at Ford with the company. Yeah. Is uh, it, did everybody else stay behind for what's next at Ford? So everybody from Journey has, yeah. So I think we're having our first team member leave. Not anybody super senior, and he's taking an amazing job. At one of the very well-known companies out in the West Coast. So it's not like a bad thing. He just got an offer he couldn't refuse. So that's awesome. Otherwise, everybody's still there. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for coming on and sharing. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Um, good question. Twitter, I'm Ilya, the letter X, Indie. Email, just my first name, Ilya.Rector, R-E-K-H-T-E-R. First name is I-L-Y-A. Um, I'm getting in the habit of not using my double map account yep. as much for personal things, which is what I used to do. I got that note. Yeah. Ilya.Rector at gmail.com. Awesome. Ilya, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.